0: You're listening to episode 30 of Daughters on Fire with your hosts, Robin Arab and Melissa Burton. So today's the day, folks, and I'm not talking about our big 3-0 episode 30, which is exciting, but today's the day that we really tackle a topic that we've been avoiding. And it's a topic that many people avoid, but it's been something that people have asked us to cover in our segment, Is It Normal? And I'm talking about driving. Driving. Driving that really hard, dreaded topic. When is it time for mom, dad, or whoever we're taking care of to stop driving? When is it time that we take away the keys? Oh my gosh, it is a painful subject and we are gonna walk you through it. We're gonna walk you through it with some really great advice on how to make it easier, with some really funny stories so that we can lighten the mood on this tough, tough topic that you have to tackle. And we're going to give you action items to move forward with. So little show note here and a little teaser for what you have in store today. There is a story. I was doing a really, really funny story of a grandparent that we will share. I realized that I did not tell you that this grandparent, very funny woman, was completely aware of what she was doing when she was interacting with that police officer. So keep that in mind as you hear the story ahead. We've got to enjoy the ups and downs, the stories that bring us joy because it's, this is hard. This is really hard. So this is just one way to get through it. We're going to give you these tips, dive right in and join us on this week's episode.
1: Are you stressed, burned out and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent
0: If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded
1: warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver.
0: All right, Robin. Today is the day we've been talking about it for a really long time, <laughs> and, <laughs> and just like families, this is um, this is something that we all like to avoid. So, what am I talking about? I'm talking about is it time to take the keys away? Can mom or dad still drive? Is um, is there confusion? in dementia, getting to the point where they are no longer safe driving. Now, I think maybe some of our stories are going to be more male-oriented because it seems like it's really, really hard to take that independence away from men. But this is not gender-specific. You know, I think you struggled, Robin, with your mom, didn't you? Right, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and many women that I I know that we've worked with, that it's just as much of an issue because bottom line – It is independence. That is probably the last straw I think that they look at as far as if I have my car, I can go. Even if they know they can't drive it, just the comfort of knowing if I wanted to, I could. Mm -hmm. It's freedom. Right. It is freedom. But as we, we must talk about and we must do, it's not always safe yes so um, yeah
0: and and this is one of those things where i often tell people like you know with our clients when we're talking to them you can't bubble wrap your loved one but this is a little differently because this is like the safety of peop- other people and liability this is yeah you can't bubble wrap your loved one but what if they really hurt somebody else? Um, I have somebody who, their loved one is no longer younger adult, um, early onset. They're they're no longer driving, but they're riding a bike, and so it's hard to determine are they safe riding the bike. The amount of damage that they can inflict on somebody else with the bike—I mean, it can still happen. You know, they can still cause some some damage. You know, hitting somebody or causing like an accident but could they it's not as scary or as dangerous as driving so this makes driving one of those situation excuse me situations that you may have to intervene before you really want to before it's an easy time to intervene
1: well and I do think that of, you know, of course, we worry about our loved one, but the possibility of hurting someone else is mm-hmm. so huge and and it's scary and, and then it turns into or it could turn into a lawsuit and and all sorts of things that you don't want to get into yeah is- Robin, I have a
0: personal story i just I just remember this the very first family member um it was like a great uncle or something that I had to deal with as with death. When I was young, the very first person that died in my life, and I remember my mom sitting me down and, and saying he he died, and seeing her grief and stuff was from this exact situation. He was driving, and now was it dementia? I don't know, but he was at fault, and he hit another car, and it killed him instantly, and I think it seriously injured the other people in the car. So it was his fault. This is what can happen: one bad move. And especially with someone with dementia, their um, capacities. what am I trying to say, is, huh?
1: Capacities,
0: capacities, but reflexes. Their reflexes oh. are so oh, yes. much
1: slower. Absolutely, and I think that's a lot of it. Sometimes um, we've talked about the depth perception and uh, just being more cautious. And you, you've all seen it. You've seen the little little old folk in the car, hunched over, can barely the um steering wheel i think i may have mentioned in the past mom put a brick there to it up because she was so short she couldn't reach it so now there's a brick by the accelerator oh you know, no. that's just all kinds of accidents <laughs> oh no
0: bad oh, choices no.
1: but um it's not safe and it is it's very hard to approach and i how many families, Melissa, have you had that just said, I don't want to do this? I don't. I can't. I cannot do this physically. And I understand because it was the, our same situation. Um, my mom made a lot of voices, And the way we ended up taking the keys, uh, she, my brother, some, his car was broken down. And she had to pick him up from work. And it was about 10 or 11 at night. So it was dark. And first of all, he said she went the wrong way. And then she said she knew she went the wrong way. Of course, she corrected herself and then she just flew home. Now in her defense, my brother drove like a little crotchety old man, but he said she flew and he would say, slow down, talk to her. And he, he said, I don't know what she was trying to prove or what was going on, but this is the way she was driving. So luckily there, there was nobody around, but at that point, we decided it's time to start having the conversation. And oh, I think uh,
0: a, a a really good litmus test for this is if you won't get in the car with your parent and ride with them, it's time for them not to be on the road.
1: Well, and that's what I would do when I'd go home. I would either driving, or I would rent a car and say, oh, let's drive my car and and do that, but I did not want to get out. I was in a few near accidents with her. I know she had some accidents that, of course, stopped and oh, they didn't need to exchange insurance because it was not that big of a deal. Who knows if it was or not, but that was the decision she made. (laughs) Could it have been a hit and run? And she was like, oh, no, it was no big deal. No, That's right. (laughs) Hope he lived. But (laughs) (laughs) anyhow, well, let's talk about um, how do you start that conversation? How does that happen? One of the things I would highly suggest is that you as the caretaker, Pass it off to somebody else. Try to get somebody else to be the bad guy, whether that be a care manager, a doctor, a church friend, somebody else that you could come in and have that conversation, even though ultimately, if they think about it, they know it trickles back to you, but you don't have that conversation. If you can push it off,
0: yes, all the absolutely, 100%. Do not be the bad guy, use authority as the bad guy, use insurance. Companies that are going to cut you off, use doctors who are going to notify the police department or the Department of Transportation, use police officers. At least for this current generation, these are institutions that they respect. And, you know, if insurance is going to no longer cover you and it's a liability, that sometimes can break through for them. If a doctor tells them they need to, get reassessed then they may i'll tell you a secret on that one if a doctor tells you to get reassessed and they're pushing back say why don't you just prove them wrong why don't you if you prove them wrong go take this test we will all back off we will let you drive wherever you want to you know it will it will prove us all wrong and then that sometimes can get them in there to taking the test if you don't, then you, you know that they know something's up.
1: I was just going to say, which is exactly what, what when, we, when we took her license away or her privileges away, she kept saying, I can drive. I can drive better than everybody else. So I said, okay, let's go take test. And it was in another town that was about 45 minutes away. And if you pass that test, I'll give you the keys back. Never took the test she knew she couldn't pass the test Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so but that's always going to be in there it's not something that once you take the the keys away and now they've gotten used to it and they have other ways of transportation they're still going to talk about it. That uh-huh. is one thing that they will continuously say, I could still drive. I can still do this. My dad didn't have dementia, but he had arthritis and it was hard for him to hold on to the wheel and his uh, back to reaction times and things. And he talked till the day he died that he could still drive. And we all knew he couldn't. And he knew he couldn't because he uh-huh. went out every time and got into the passenger seat. Uh-huh. But I think just that thinking that they can seems to, to go on. in a conversation,
0: like an annoying conversation about the back and forth arguing over it is so much safer than actually allowing them to drive. So right. at least if you just have to let them say they can drive, but you know the car is long gone and there's not a risk, that's a small price to pay than the actual allowing them to still drive or having it there and knowing that they are a danger to themselves and others
1: absolutely so we talked about having the doctors having the insurance there you want to talk a little bit about pi beta Phi yes that
0: yeah absolutely helps so with that here locally and Robin and I were talking beforehand that it may not be Phi beta Phi. I don't know um, in in other cities but There, I'm sure, are similar organizations that do these driving tests. And so you might be thinking, oh, mom and dad, they want to go be retested, that it's something like taking your teenager, your 15-year-old or 16-year-old who's getting a license or a permit down to the DMV, and that's the kind of testing they do. That is absolutely not the kind of testing they do. It's much more in depth and it's um, typically a two day process. You can get your doctor to write for it uh, that they um, write a, I guess it's a prescription or a referral to, Mm -hmm. to take the test. You can also, once that happens, even I believe Robin, the um, department of transportation would require something like this. But anyway, it's a, it's a two day test where the first day is all in office, cognitive testing, reflex testing, knowledge testing, and so, and it's it's quite a battery of, a t- of tests. It's not like you go in and it's like 30 minutes. I mean, it's kind of like a hours-long process. If you do not pass that part of the test, you never go on to the driving part of the test. So, I had a client who actually, uh, dementia was not involved, who went through the test and to get her license back. And so she went through the whole thing and was able to drive again. And so it's a very detailed test, day one. And then day two, here in Nashville, they're driving in downtown Nashville with in a safe environment, you know, in one of those cars where the, the driver, they're not in their own car, where the driver has the ability to take control right next to them. It's very safe, but it's a very demanding test. It's not something where they go down one street You know, turn right and just do a big square and come back. It, if they can pass that test, they can drive the the um, here, you know, five beta pi, and the department of transportation, and their doctors. Everybody would sign off on the fact they are competent to drive if they can drive that test, and I would stand behind it too. So For those caregivers who aren't familiar with this kind of testing, rest assured that if you had to go through that process and they passed, then they're right. They can still drive. Chances are (laughs) if if you know they can't pass it, they're not going to get through day one they're not going to get through day one.
1: Well, and how often we've talked about sometimes they can pull it out and be very lucid during those times. So the fact that it's over two days, very rarely can you pull that off for two days. You might get through the first one, but not the second one. So that's why Absolutely. that that is a beautiful um, situation as well. I think the uh, test do they? They also do a virtual test. Am I right? How they do? Well, with the, what they the... do
0: is they um, they are testing your reflexes. Okay. So it's not like a virtual screen, but you have like a brake pedal and like a little simulator with um, yeah. like lights. You know, when this light comes on, hit the brake. You know, so they're testing your reflexes before again you ever get behind the wheel of the car.
1: Right. So that is absolutely, and then they'll write a letter and they'll send that letter to the Department of Transportation. And I know mom's doctor, when she said, that's it, you may not drive anymore. She sent it to her license was being revoked. Now, one little thing we did do, and I don't know if it helped or not, but she kept talking about I need it for ID. So we did go and get her an ID card looks just like a license. It's shaped like it It has the uh, holograms and everything on it like a license but it does say down the side ID only. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a little bit of a comfort even though she knew in reality that wasn't a driver's license but it it just sort of eased that pain. I think
0: I think you gotta at that point really strategically figure out how to get rid of the car because just because um, they're told they can't drive doesn't mean they won't drive, and they can be it, and <laughs> this is kind of off topic Robin, but it makes it cracks me up as far as what people will will let um, innocent looking older adults get away with. And I think we'll get into other stories as well. But my husband's granny, as she was going up to her home, which is a couple hours away, she would carry a gun with her just for protection, right? Um, It was an old gun. It didn't even fire right, but it would be right there on her seat. So it was like probably around the holidays and there was a checkpoint. And so she goes through the checkpoint. She's driving just fine. And she goes through the checkpoint and the police officer notices the gun on the side of the, you know, on her seat next to her. And he asks her, do you have a permit to be carrying that gun with you? And she looked at him and she said, yes, officer, I do. Can I see your, your permit, please? She goes, yes. And she pulls out her card, hands it to him. He looks at it. He says, thank you, ma'am. He hands it back. and be like, You can go on your way. And Now, mind you, this is probably midnight, and he probably did not know what to do when she handed him her (laughs) library card. (laughs) So, he just let her go on her way. (laughs) Now, she did not have any cognitive issues at that point. This was probably about 20 years ago or more. So by, by no means um, is that maybe the standard now and there may be more education in the rural communities about uh, letting old people who are not as ah. familiar with uh, what a library card and what a per- carry permit card are. But anyway, that's all <laughs> just to say sometimes people assume everything's fine or they don't want to get into the weeds with this sweet little elderly individual and they're they're thinking, okay, let's just go, let's just go on about, you know, our business here, uh, and we can get into other stories, which we'll we'll, we'll be bringing up about uh, what happens when you take the car away, and they still want a car, they may go buy one. So, <laughs> stay, well, stay tuned. In the next few minutes, you get that fun story.
1: I think that that is a huge question because I've I've had families on both sides of that. That one, they were comforted knowing that the car is there in their driveway their garage or whatever. The other one is as you said they will jump in that car and go if if they think they need to. So is it better to take the car totally away or to leave it there and here's one little side that I just came up if you are having non-medical caregivers if your car is there and they use that car then you are not charged for mileage or the time that they're, you are charged for the time, but they, not the mileage, which sometimes mileage can be up to a dollar a minute, Is the that dollar, right? a yeah, a do, dollar a mile.
0: Well, okay. and, and I think Robin, you say this all the time. I love your quote when you say this. It's, um, if you've seen one family, you've seen one family. You have to just tune in to your specific individual and how they're relating to that car, but don't get snookered. <laughs> Right. You got to you got to be mind you got to be keeping track of if they're driving or not. Right.
1: I had a family that they totally did not the the husband, the wife hadn't driven in years and years and years. And he, in his mind, she was comforted by the fact that her car he'd park it in front of their house which wasn't even in their garage or anything so she could see it. Well, at that point this woman had no idea, probably even what a car was. And so it was so far gone, and he kept complaining about money, and we kept saying sell the car, but he was hanging on to it for her. So it's all sorts of different scenarios. And I do think out of sight, out of mind, there's uh, ways to, what is it? There's a cap that you can, and disable, and then they can't drive, different things you can play around with in the hood and tell them, you know, it's broken or, you, you can know, take- it's funny, you
0: bring up the car feeling safe, knowing the car is there. I just thought of this too, you know, there are some areas where people park outside and if your car's not outside, people might think you're not home. So Uh people like having a car because it looks like people are actually in the home and it feels safer too.
1: Right. And back to one family, it was one family. If you know that your person is not going to drive, that's an option. Lots of people talk about taking the keys away. Lots of times there's hidden keys. Safe just in case, or somebody has a key, so that's not always a solution. Disabling things is depending on how savvy they are, that's not always a solution. And then, as Melissa said, I had one family that the uh, there was two cars, one was a junker, so that was removed, and then car that he disabled a few things so that he couldn't drive, and then was talking about he was going to sell it. Well, they got a cab, and they had headed down to the dealership, they were just going to buy a new car. You know, there's yeah. no stopping. So. <laughs>
0: right. And don't, unfortunately, this is not a one-off situation. This is actually quite common. In fact, uh, with the company I used to work for, same thing, an individual, they took the car away, and he, again, people, we are talking about dementia. You might be thinking we're just talking about people who shouldn't be driving anymore. No, we are talking about individuals who have been diagnosed with dementia. But in the early stages, man, they can, they can fake you out. So he was actually able to Uber from his assisted living down to a dealership and buy a car. So there was a lot of mess cleaning up after that point. <laughs> <laughs> and, and And again, you might be like, well, who are those dealers dealing with somebody with dementia? That should be illegal. They should be that you know, that should be criminal. How dare they take advantage of the situation? I'm telling you, people can pull it off. They can they can be really good for a couple hours doing certain tasks and and doing certain objectives. That doesn't mean they don't have a disease and it doesn't mean that they, over the long term, are capable of doing things like driving. So it's more about education. Maybe that dealership and that salesperson thought he was quirky, but I bet they did not have the knowledge and the expertise to assess that, oh, no, this person probably has dementia. So... You know, again, that's probably education out there. Some other thing, you know, that we need to put on our mission in life, Robin, is to get out there and educate dealerships (laughs) on selling to dementia patients. But I digress.
1: Well, I've had my run-in with dealerships as well, and and it's infuriating. But you're right.
0: And And you talked about the keys. A lot of times they'll call the dealership where they bought the car just to get a new set of keys, and they don't even question it right? Right. So you take the keys away and then it's an easy fix for them. It's a lot cheaper than buying a new car. They just go get a new set of keys.
1: Right. And they've probably done business with that dealership for years and there's no reason for them to question them. Question it. Matter of fact, um, we grew up in a small town or I grew up in a small town. We went to the same dealership and this was a man who said talk, me i i see your mom zipping through town doing all these things and in the end he sold her a car she paid cash for the car just infuriated me that and he knew he knew what he was doing
0: so he did know that there was something up right yeah
1: you can't you can't talk to my husband about that conversation because that just drives him insane yeah there are some out there that maybe see something but they're not sure and it's a sale and, and things like not to say, I'm digressing, but there's all sorts of things that can go wrong with the car. But bottom line is if they're not safe, you've got to be pay attention because you don't want a lawsuit on your hands. You don't want your parent to get hurt or to hurt somebody else. You've got to be mindful. You have to take the hard steps the best you can, pull it off, have a doctor, somebody else tell them because it is a big step. And it, I, I can't imagine having my car taken away. And we are a little bit more savvy these days with Uber and with cabs and all kinds of other transportation. But really, my mom didn't have access or didn't understand those things. Right. So she couldn't get around it except through her car. And that's where her happiness came because she drove people to church. Mm-hmm. She drove people to doctor's appointments because she didn't, she wasn't the cook a casserole kind of gal, but she was, I can take you anywhere you want to. Mm-hmm. Now the fact that people got in the car with her scared the life out of me. I even contacted her friend's children and said, why are you allowing your father to get in that car with my mother? Mm-hmm. But, um, they did, and
0: you know, Robin, in a previous episode, you brought up a really good point that I think it was about allowing care in the home and the sense of purpose, and you had said, like for a car. Let's say you have a family member or somebody and this person is a really giving, kind person. They always want to help somebody out. It might be easy instead of getting rid of the car, say so-and-so needs to borrow the car or your grandson doesn't have a car right now. Can he use it uh, while you don't need it? And to get it in out of the house or out from them and in a way that they're really doing a service for somebody else. Again, Everybody's different. This might work for some people. People who are really clinging to their independence might find a way around that. Maybe, like, yes, absolutely. I was wanting to go buy a new car anyway. He can have the old car. <laughs> but it's a great way for those who may be realizing that they're not very safe for them to bow out gracefully, if you will, from driving, for them to say, I'm sacrificing driving so that someone else can utilize the car when in fact you know they are feeling a little less safe even themselves driving but they don't want to come out and admit that to people right
1: it saves their dignity it saves the need they feel needed that helps that goes back to our therapeutic line we talked about as well that that's okay to off but as you bring that up I talked about in the car that sat out front. It was a big green Chevy Caprice. So when I came to college, which was 750 miles away, my parents agreed that I could take this car. Hmm. I was something else in this big old car. But so I drove the car, I think probably my sophomore and junior year, brought it to Tennessee. And I'm telling you, every time I drive 750 miles to get down here, and the first question my dad would say was, how's the car? (laughs) Not not, how did you make it, are you tired, whatever. It was, how's the car? But it was that situation of, hey, let's give Robin the car. She needs it at school. We're not using it. And that seemed to ease him other than he was worried about the car. (laughs) So a a little side note that is totally unrelated. I grew up in the north. Well, we came down here and it was so hot down here that I guess my rearview mirror was glued on. Oh, no. Came out one day to drive and the mirror was laying in the floor. It had just melted and dropped to the floor. (laughs) But anyhow, satisfied him, made him feel good that he was helping me out. And I got to drive the big green machine
0: that's hilarious. Yep. Yep. So, I guess to wrap up here with this driving conversation is it's not easy, but it is so necessary because you're really playing with fire when somebody who is unsafe to drive is out there on on our roadways. And unfortunately, that's when you you have to intervene. You can you can save kind of the autonomy and independence over bubble wrapping or being super safe for other issues, right? For, you you know, somebody who wants to walk around the house without their walker and they're a fall risk. Okay. Those are other issues where maybe you, you don't have to be the like hawk or the eagle, you know, helicopter daughter on top of it, but not driving. Driving is just too, too scary for them and for everybody else it can be deadly
1: i agree and i think we just need to dive into it and have other professionals walk that walk with us and it's not ever going to be easy it's not ever going to be perfect but just to a caveat to that is there are some people who realize they're not safe and they just stop driving and they hand over the keys Those are few and far between, I think. Yeah, I wish that for all of you out there. That's not the ones we typically deal with, but that does happen, and you're very blessed if that happens to you. But other than that, seek help, seek professional advice going And and don't go it alone.
0: Yeah, this may be one of those times where you you get like a you pay for a care manager to come in and help you navigate this, so that um, you know they can come in with the whirlwind, get it all settled, be the bad guy, and then go away. But yeah, it's um it's it's hard. It's definitely hard, and it's one of the steps that is also very necessary to be very intentional with. So. On that note, you know, everybody just sit down, get a game plan together and and go out there and get those keys. That's right. Take a deep breath and move on. (laughs) So we will see you all back here on our next episode. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey, and the Fire Tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.